Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. So you got a thousand years, there's Jesus, he is there, the church, the saints, the tribulation saints are ruling and reigning with him. I mean, just, you can't get a better type scenario. And even in a perfect scenario, people will still reject Jesus. We have to understand that. Because we have this notion that if, like, if we can just create the perfect environment, people will fall in love with Jesus. That is not true. How many people have spent their lives chasing a dream that they thought would bring them contentment? After years of pursuing their own happiness, many realize that although they have everything they ever wanted, they're still not happy. In today's message, Pastor James teaches that true contentment comes only through a right relationship with God. No matter what the circumstances are that you might experience, no matter how perfect things are, you'll never have peace without knowing Christ as your Savior. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 1. As Pastor James continues his message, The Millennial Reign. This remodel of this planet is going to be incredible. It's going to be insane. There will be animals living on this planet. That's encouraging. That's kind of cool, right? That there will be animals. I can't say your dog that you love is going to be there. I don't know how that works, but there will probably be dogs, okay? So if you're a cat person, I'm sure there's going to be some cats. If you're not a cat person, you'll learn to love them in a thousand years, I'm sure, right? Because there won't be any allergies either. So you'll be good. But this is what the word says concerning animal life on this planet. Now, we know from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 that God created all the animals, okay? And it was Adam's job to, as part of ruling this planet, was to give the animals names. So as they were marching by him or whatever, however that worked out, he's naming all these animals and all this good stuff. There was no fear between the animal and Adam, between man and animal, there was perfect peace. The animals were not afraid of Adam chasing them down and making stakes out of them. There was no fear on that. There was not even a thought on their brain until sin came in. Once sin came in, then fear was instilled within animals concerning mankind, right? And should be vice versa. There should be some healthy fear on your part of certain animals, okay? But you should know that by now. Okay, you should understand that. But some of the verses, some of the scriptures that talk about how we will relate to animals within this kingdom, I think it's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, talks about this. Classic verse, right? Classic verses here. It says, the leopard shall lay down with the young goat. They're normally enemies, like one, guess which one, is usually chewing on the other one, okay? And it's not the goat, although they chew on everything, it's not chewing on the leopard, okay? So the leopard and the young goat lie down together. The calf and the young lion and the fatling, that's the New King James, together. The little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, or the snake's den, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den, 
and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a cool little picture for Isaiah. Like, and you could be thinking of this as like, well, is this really what this means? Is this a literal? I believe this is a literal interpretation. We know this because of Genesis. Like, Genesis is the key book, right? Especially those first 11 chapters are absolutely monumental to understanding just our world right now. But we know from the very beginning, I'm sure Adam was just, Adam can walk by and see a pit full of vipers and just stick his hands in there and kind of noodle them around or whatever, you know, and no fear of getting bitten by these things. There was a lion. The lion wasn't interested in eating Adam. He wanted straw. He wanted hay. Well, no, see, lions are not suited to eat vegetation. They have sharp teeth. Well, the one who made the lion can change the dental structure of that animal, okay? It's not hard for him to do. He had these things pop up out of the ground like they were Pop-Tarts, right? Just poop, there's the animals, okay? He can restructure their mouths. He can change those teeth, those canines and all that stuff into flat grinding teeth that will enjoy some gluten, okay? Because they're going to love it. They're really going to love this stuff. And so will we. Hey, all you who are gluten sufferers, the thousand year reign of Christ, right? You're going to be found in the bread house, right? Like you're just going to be gorging yourself. I will be there too. Fresh baked bread, like bring it on, okay? No more stomach issues, okay? But it's painting this picture of like, you have this peaceful environment where your kids can go out and play. And yet there will be sinners on this planet. There will be. You can go out and there's wildlife and you don't have to live in fear of this bear turning on you and mauling you or alligators or crocodiles swimming around and this or that. And that fear has been taken away. And I think that's one of the key points to the thousand year reign of Christ. Fear has been removed for the most part. Now, again, it's not heaven. That's the other thing we need to understand. The thousand year reign of Christ, it's not new heaven and new earth. That's to come. So it's not perfect because you're still dealing with sin. So there still will be things that have to be dealt with to what extent and all that stuff. I'm not sure, but use your imagination. What are sinners good at doing? Sinning in all different kinds of ways. And even with Jesus there present, of course with Jesus there present. Because he's present with you and I every single day. We're still pretty good at sinning, right? So it's going to be the same, so to speak, within the thousand-year reign of Christ. However, nature is renewed, is restored, is being restored. So that's why I always, I always talk with my youth kids about, I'm just going to own a pet bear. That's it. Wherever my house is, whatever that looks like that the Lord has preparing for me, there will be a place where there will be a giant fuzzy bear, grizzly bear, of course. So you're going to have this perfect environment, so to speak, in the sense of nature and, and all that good stuff. This is the thousand-year reign of Christ. So that is concerning animal life, so to speak, on this planet. Now, Back to Revelation chapter 20. We reread through verses 1 through 6. So now let's look at verse 7. There's so much more to the thousand-year reign of Christ. There just is. We could spend weeks on this subject matter. The temple, all this crazy stuff. But 
I'm just kind of giving you a snapshot. Verse 7 of chapter 20 says this, now when the thousand years have expired, okay, so there is a start date and there's an end date, and the thousand years will end, there will be a day where that does end. It says Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, and that's who he is, he's the great deceiver, he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, so he will cover all the corners of this planet. Gog and Magog to gather them together. You know, we've already addressed that to a certain extent, but he's going to amass an army. So after a thousand years of like really ideal situation, you know, living environment, so to speak, he's going to be able to come back onto this planet, deceive many, create kind of an army, so to speak, to rebel against the Lord. And that's their whole point. So he gets them to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And that's one of those mind-boggling things. So you got a thousand years where Christ has established his rule and his reign here on this planet. Believers now who get raptured up, return with him. You're going to be ruling and reigning with him. And over the course of that thousand years, as people are getting born and they're making up their own minds of whether they want to follow Jesus or not, Satan is deceiving. You know, after the thousand years, he's set loose. He gets to deceive people. People are more than willing to jump on his side. Because believe it or not, even after a thousand years, there's going to be people who see Jesus physically every single day. And they're going to say, I don't want to follow you. It's just mind-boggling. But he'll be able to amass an army. It says as the number, as the sand of the sea. A number is, you know, likened to the sand of the sea, which is just a huge army. So again, remember, you got a thousand years. People are living longer. They're having longer lifespans. And, you know, the population of the earth is going to be tremendous. There are certain individuals who believe, like, there's too many people living on this planet right now. That's not true. That's not true. That's only true if you've used up all the space on this planet, and we haven't. And we haven't. Well, we don't have enough food. That's not true. That's not true. We're just selfish. There are people who are starving on this planet, and there's more than enough food. There's more than enough wealth. There's more than enough resources on this planet currently to sustain everybody who's alive on this planet right now. We're just selfish, if we're honest. We're just selfish. Nobody really wants solutions. We want power and we want control, right? And so we'll kill babies so that we can control the population. During the tribulation, the earth doesn't get bigger. There's no thought that the earth is going to get bigger to account for all these, you know, however many more people. We don't know how many people make it through the tribulation and all that good stuff, but the earth stays the same size, Now, maybe there's less seas, and so there's more land. Okay, that's a thought, because maybe all the waters gather back together, like in Genesis chapter 1. That's a possibility. But we still have the same size planet, and there are going to be a lot of people. And unfortunately, there's a large number of people that are more than willing to jump on Satan's side. They're more than willing to jump on his team. And so much so, it's not just like they're deceived, okay? It's not just like Satan's like, hey, you know, come here, follow me. It's like, hey, you want to join with me and so we can kill that guy? You mean the Jesus guy 
who I've heard the stories of how there were other armies who got together to try to kill him when it was really bad, and they failed miserably because all he had to do was speak one word, and they all got wiped out. You want to kill that guy? Yeah, I'm in. That's going to be their logic. It's crazy. It's crazy. But that's going to be their logic. And a lot of people will join with him. Verse 9 says, they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. That's at Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Like, boom. This final rebellion. This is the last one. The last one. So you got a thousand years. There's Jesus. He is there. The church, the saints, the tribulation saints, the ruling and reigning with him. I mean, just you can't get a better type scenario. And even in a perfect scenario, people will still reject Jesus. We have to understand that. Because we have this notion of like, if we can just create the perfect environment, people will fall in love with Jesus. That is not true. It's not true. If we can have the perfect church and all this stuff, people will show up and they'll fall. That's not true. You and I, we can't make people fall in love with Jesus. And even after spending a thousand years and Jesus will be there physically present, people will still reject him. They'll still reject him. But they'll have the same choice that you and I have today. They can surrender their lives to him and they can follow him. They can make the best decision that any of us have ever made, and that's to follow him. The choice will still be up to them, but it's their choice. They either choose to follow him or they reject him. That's how it goes. And you can't get mad at God. We can't get mad at him and say, that's not fair. We don't know what fair is. Humanity doesn't know what fair is. Because we're always thinking in human reason and human logic and all this stuff. What's not fair is that God sent his only begotten son to die on this planet for a bunch of sins that he never committed. And even after a thousand years... People are like still spitting in his face. And just so you can kind of have the good understanding, if there was an opportunity to re-crucify him, they would be all in for that. That's their heart. That's their mindset. And that's what happens when the enemy comes in and he's good at deceiving people. But even with that, it's their choice. They make the decision of who they're going to listen to and who they're going to pledge their allegiance towards. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people during this millennial reign of Christ that will say, you know what? I don't want Jesus. I want this other option. And it's a dead end, literally. It's a dead end because they gather their army together and they're going to attack not just Jesus, but they're going to attack everybody who's associated with him. They're going to surround them. And then God just from heaven just consumes them all with fire. They're gone. That's it. And here's what happens to the devil. It says, verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, because remember, they were already tossed in. So for a thousand years, they've already been experiencing this, you know, lake of fire, okay? The worst jacuzzi ever, okay? So they're already cooking in that thing for a thousand years. Now Satan gets tossed into there. And it says, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
that we know from the rest of that chapter, it talks about this judgment that's going to take place. And what about all those people who died during the tribulation who didn't follow Jesus? They never surrendered to him. Well, they have a spot in the lake of fire reserved for them as well. They will be tossed into that thing as well. Because everybody who goes into the millennial reign of Christ have surrendered their lives to Jesus. Okay, they're giving their lives over to the Lord. At least that's the kind of the common thought there. But even with that, what we can tell, what we know from that, even just our own personal history, your grandma and grandpa may have fallen in love with Jesus and served him faithfully. Doesn't mean that your mom and dad were going to follow Jesus just because they did. And maybe they did, but that doesn't mean that you were going to make those choices. Each family has its own story. I know that there's individuals within my family who had given their lives to the Lord and followed him faithfully. When it came time for me, I, for a portion of my life, I said, I don't think so. I don't want it. Praise God that I was awakened out of that when I was. But the point of this is each individual has to make that choice, has to make that choice. Even through a thousand years of ideal circumstances, people will still make the choice to not follow him. They just will. So in a nutshell, that's the thousand-year reign of Christ. I believe it's a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. I believe in a premillennial, meaning that Jesus will come back. If you read Revelation, I believe that's how it happens, is that he comes back, and then he will judge the nations. He will establish his rule on this planet for a thousand years. During that time, Satan will be locked up into the bottomless pit. He's chained up by the angel. Locked up there, can't mess with anybody for a thousand years. Then on that day, a thousand years, when time's up, he gets released and he goes back to doing what he has always done. And he wants to get people together to go against God. That's why he got booted out of heaven. He was able to get a third of the host of heaven, a third of the angels together to try to fight against God. Got booted out of there. And ever since he's been on this planet, which he is, his goal is to amass somewhat of an army to fight against God, okay? And yeah, to mess with you and to mess with believers and all that good stuff, to try to make your life as miserable as possible while you're serving Christ on this planet, to try to steal your joy, because that's what he is. He's a thief. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And when he comes back from the thousand years, that's what he's going to do. He's going to pick up right where he left off. And people will follow him. People will follow him. And that's a sad reality. However, I don't want you to miss the fact that a thousand years, you're with Jesus. It's said multiple times in chapter 20 of Revelation, but it's also said in other parts of the word itself where believers will, you'll be ruling and reigning with him. That should have you super excited. That should have you like stirred up to where it's like, I don't know what that means, but I'm really looking forward to that. I can't wait for that day. And so that should also stir you up to pray prayers like, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come quickly. I pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that you would come quickly, that you would come quickly. I pray that every single day now that the justice that our world is desperate for and that is longing for, that Jesus would bring it, that he would bring it. I'm excited for, you know, what that looks like. A thousand years ruling and reigning with Christ. I mean, I'm just, it blows my mind. My mind goes in all sorts of weird directions and all that good stuff and have fun with it. I think you should have fun with it, all right, respectfully and all that good stuff. But let your imagination run wild. 
I mean, you're not going to get there, and there's going to be a thousand years, you're going to be like, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, all right? And you're all like disappointed. You're not going to be disappointed. In fact, you're going to be like, I didn't think it was going to be this good, right? That's going to be said from every single one of us when you're there. You're like, I didn't think it was going to be this good, right? Because we can't even imagine what it's going to be like. So let's be excited for that. Let's get a lot of good practice in now because if part of ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years is simply sharing the gospel with people who need to know it, well, what a good time to get practice in now. Now, because people now need to know it. What we want is for people not to have to go through the tribulation. Because the ones who might go through the tribulation may not make it out of the tribulation. Now, we know salvation of souls is in the Lord's hands. That's his business. But it's our responsibility as ambassadors, ones who represent the king and speak his message to people. That's what an ambassador is. It's not our message. It's his. Well, what we want to do is communicate the gospel to as many people as we possibly can, individually. As a church, we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep telling people that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and that he rose from the grave. And all that you have to do is just, it's a simple just to surrender to him saying, I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior, and I believe that you died for me. It's a super simple thing. As individuals, we ought to be practicing that on the daily. Whenever the Lord brings somebody into your path where, you know, you get that opportunity, just think, like, I might be doing this for a thousand years, so I want to I start, you know, doing this now. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose from the grave three days later. And Lord, when I just think about, man, I, I just am reminded of just how sinful I am. It's just so humbling that you would do that for me, that you would do that for us. You love us that much. And so I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, what I, I'm just reminded of this today, that, Lord, we can always turn back to you. And as we're thinking about this thousand-year reign and you establishing your kingdom, Lord, and however we get to participate in that, Lord, what I pray that we're all encouraged by is that throughout this journey of getting to there, Lord, that whatever happens within our lives, Lord, I'm just reminded of the prodigal son, we can always run back to you. We can always run back to you. So I pray that for all of us on this journey, running this race, Lord, that we would remember that you're always there. You're always there. And that you love us, that you care about us. And Lord, that you didn't just save us so that we could go to heaven. You saved us so that, well, number one, that we get to be with you forever, but that we also get to rule and reign with you. It's amazing. Absolutely incredible. And Lord, if part of doing that ruling and reigning and sharing your gospel, then may we be just as excited about it today as we will maybe during that thousand-year reign. So, Lord, I just pray that we're just more excited today about who you are and what's to come. Lord, I just, again, I pray that that joy, that perfect joy that you offer to us is just filling us beyond whatever circumstances may be happening within our lives, Lord. Not ignoring pain or anything like that, but we can walk around with joy. So we thank you for that, Lord. We pray for our nation. Our nation, man, Lord, our nation needs you. Our nation needs to repent of all sorts of types of sins, for sure. Our nation's only hope is you. Our world's only hope is you, Lord. So I pray that during these times that the church would really just shine bright and represent you, Lord. 
and your true gospel, the fact that you love everybody, you died for everybody, and Lord, that we should share this gospel message with anybody and everybody. So thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Thank you for your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you here on Bread for the Broken.